Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to God's Gift. Excuse me for clearing my throat. Let me clear my throat. <coughs> um, anyway, <clears> throat> uh, I wanted to say before you listen to any of these upcoming episodes, please do know that there is a parental guidance for the listeners. And if you are a believer, I would please suggest that you don't listen to the global COVID detained, locked up because I have some very vulgar music on there. So I'm not trying to be vulgar with God's gift through his word. However, after what had happened to me, there's no other songs that could actually um, really, really uh, express how I felt. And I know there's a lot of hardcore um, Christian rappers, but sometimes they can't even express like how some secular artists do for this please do note that there is vulgarity and profanity in this particular um segment so if you don't like hearing that then i would just tell you not to listen okay god bless your hearts remember please do what god has laid on your heart and sometimes god doesn't lay everything on our hearts like this right here with these um with these song heart, I was just, I'm just angry and I don't, I don't want to cuss and I don't want to do that, but other people have already done it. So I just use the music that they have to express myself. So it's just a way, a form of expression using some of these music. So anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Remember to stay positive as much as you can, even when bad things are happening. God bless you guys and hugs and kisses. Mwah. Hey everyone, this is Tanika Drake, and um, you are tuned into. We're gonna just make this <clears throat> a collaborative effort. So this is for God's gift through His Word and the Laugh Inc. podcast, because um, soon I'll probably just be using both of them. But I wanted to share a story about what happened to me um, March twenty sixth, twenty twenty. I called the Veteran Crisis Line because you guys know that I'm a veteran. So please pray um, and read your word as always. But this is going to be a unique story and it's real. So I want you guys to listen up closely. 
you guys have been following me a long time and I've been doing a lot of things and I've been um, trying to share the word, try to get funds for people, try and get funds for my nonprofit and donations and all that stuff. Well, all of that stuff was stopped in abrupt halt because what I said. And so I'm going to repeat the phrase so you guys know not to say it in real life. If you are a veteran, don't say this. And if you're not a veteran. So I called the veteran crisis line. Now, I want you guys to be 100% clear. The veteran crisis line, they did their job. However, there are people in the crisis line because they have different, um, they have different areas for the veteran crisis line, just like the VA. The VA has VA everywhere. So the veteran crisis line has different, different regions that work their line. So I still want you to use the Veterans Crisis Line, which is 1-800-273-8255, then press 1. And if you don't like who you're speaking with, hang up and call back. <coughs> I'm part of my French. Um, not my French, my cough. But I've been cussing a lot lately, so, lately, so I've been saying that. Um, you can also text 838-255. Um, to text them. You can also call Veterans Crisis Line and you can chat with them on VeteransCrisisLine.net. So I'm going to share a story with you guys because um, what happened, I never want it to happen to you. I never want it to happen to any veterans and I want you to be prayerful in all things. So um, hold on a second. Okay, so this is what I did. I um, I was feeling very overwhelmed. You guys know I have four kids. You guys know I was in the military. I got into the military when I was 19 years of age. And when I was 19 and I enrolled into basic training into the Air Force, I was forced into going into a psychiatric ward at Wilter, uh, Wilter Reed, or Walter Reed. Walter Reed in San Antonio, Texas, Lachlan Air Force Base. So my entire military career was done in a psychiatric hospital. My TI's name was Staff Sergeant Archambo, and he was a Caucasian male. And um, yeah, so I was at that squadron. My um, person who I dealt with who recruited me was Tech Sergeant Colin Kidd. He actually got me enlisted. He was excited that I went into the military. So from that point till now, um, my military career has been nothing but just the feds in and out of my life in a bad way. And I wanted to serve my country so bad I joined the Air Force because I wanted to be an officer in the military. I wanted to have give my kids the life of travel and everything that I got to experience as a military brat. I thought that would be cool to live in other countries like I like I got to live in in Great Britain, and I got to travel to Italy, and I got to go to Germany. I thought that would be excellent for them to have the same kind of upbringing and be well-rounded people and live outside the, the country for a little bit, based by using that as the military. So anyway, that was my dream and my hope. Um, unfortunately, my, my TI didn't see it like that. He thought I was a nuisance. He wanted to kick me out of the military. So he made sure that I was um, put under psychiatric evaluation. And I was a 19-year-old kid. And 
Um, you know, knowing now as an adult, I would have never wanted to enlist if I knew that was going to happen. But you don't, you know, you only move in the moment and you take risk. And one of the risks of going into the military is also being kicked out and discharged from the military. So anyway, um, what my staff sergeant, um, my T.I. said, Staff Sergeant Archambault wrote in his documentation that I was combing my hair with a fork. Um, just like um, Ariel from, um, what's that movie? The Little Mermaids. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> I'm talking to my brain. So Ariel from The Little Mermaid would comb her hair with a fork. Well, that's kind of crazy and unusual. Let's put that in a real living person's document. So the next thing he said that I was doing was I blacked out and I was playing hopscotch. Well, that's a child children's game. And I'm 19 years old. So he did everything. And I'm pretty sure they've researched this because San Antonio, Texas, Lackland Air Force Base, um, the training, uh, uh, I guess the training squadron, they have been known to do this. <clears throat> and people can say all day that's not true. But I have medical records that define every single person that had a hand in my discharge. And they discharged me and they did me misconduct. And they pumped me so so much full of psychiatric drugs you wouldn't want to believe. And I think I can name them off the top of my head. They put me on Zyprexa, Seroquel, um, Respiradol, a couple other pills. And then when I was discharged, because they had me during the psychiatric train, this because once you're on the psychiatric train, you can't really come off until you can prove everything without a shadow of a doubt that you're competent and not psychotic without a shadow of a doubt. So anyway, um, so the psychiatric train started moving. And so now that it's moved, it did a pit stop at my parents' place. So I was so devastated and messed up in my head that I couldn't be in the military. I didn't function right at home. So my mother put me in a psychiatric ward in Colorado Springs called The Lighthouse by Pikes Peak Mental Health. So I got put on a 72-hour hold. Then they put me on some medication there. So after that little stint of, you know, visiting and perusing at the psychiatric ward and having my food delivered to me and lots of pills delivered to me, feel like I was a drug addict, but I wasn't. So after that, then I come out, I'm back to normal. Everything's good. We, we've talked, we've, we've pill popped, we've eaten, we've taken showers, we've been on surveillance. We're good. We don't wear shoelaces. We keep our hair crazy because you can't look decent. Okay. So then the next thing that I have to do is go back home to them. So this all this stuff happened from 1999 during 2002-ish. So 2001, I discovered I'm HIV positive because I was sleeping with someone who lied to me and didn't want to use protection. He lied and said he was, uh, he was 27, but in reality he was 42 years of age and he was married and you've been treated with everybody. And the base that, that I had gone to was called Fort Carson in Colorado Springs. And my friend used to tell me, don't sleep with that GI because this particular squadron in Fort Carson is known to give women HIV. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me that? Because at the time I yelled at him. I was just a young kid. I yelled at him and said, do you want to date me? He's like, well, no. I was like, well, shut up and let me, you know, deal with this, this, this um, GI. His name was Tito Griffith. 
okay? And he was a specialist in the army. So anyway, Tito Griffin and I, we had a relationship and I dated him for about two and a half years. A very nice guy, you know, old school. I liked his name, Tito, made me think of Tito Jackson. So Tito Griffith, very handsome to me, strong black male, just gorgeous as he want to be, just gorgeous. But anyway, um, and big and buff too. But anyway, <laughs> I didn't know he was married and he had a wife and he had kids. Um, so he was in base housing and every time I would go to base housing, nobody was there. It was only him. So my friend was like, Tanika, in base housing, you can't have base housing unless you're married and have a family. I was like, but I don't see a wife. I don't see a kid. He's like, trust me, this is how the military works with base housing with a GI. He's like, if they're single, they stay in the barracks. Just like if it was a single um, military person in the Air Force, they stay in the dorms, the dormitory. He's like, so he's not single. If he was single, he'd be in the barracks. Well, I guess he had got in trouble that he actually spent some time in the barracks. So, so he spent the time in the barracks. And then his daughter came that now I know is his daughter. And she called him dad. Well, you know, I'm young trying to figure out his game because he's older than me. So he knows what not to say and how much to say and how much to explain and how gullible and naive I was at the time. So when she said, hey, dad, there's someone here. And I was like, she calls you dad. He's like, oh, yeah, she calls me dad. But I was like, that's your niece. He's like, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't. So anyway, fast forward to that. We break up. You know, I was still sleeping with him and stuff, even though. I told him that, you know, we probably shouldn't sleep together because, you know, you know, I'm positive. But of course he would sleep with me because he was already positive. He's the one that gave me his particular strain and his particular strain of HIV. It's very dangerous because it's very resistant because he's been on the drugs for a long time. So whenever I get a drug and it doesn't want to adhere, um, where I got it from was him. So wherever he slept with and got it from this particular strain of HIV is very resistant to certain antiretrovirals. So um, it mutates and it, it gets angry and it's like, yeah, that drug's not gonna work for us. So after I don't take a drug for a certain, a certain long period of time, it develops resistance and it develops a lot of resistance. So they literally have to use a different drug because HIV, it's like it's got its own mind. It says, oh, you're trying to use that drug. Yeah, we're not, we're not trying to leave the host. And we're not trying to be undetectable. We're trying to take over and kill. So that's what ended up happening. So then <clears throat> after all of this, um, I go and, you know, I start getting angry that I'm sleeping with this person, that person, whatever. And so I get in trouble with the law, the state comes and says, you have a cease and desist order or else you're going to go to prison. I'm like, oh no, oh no. So anyway, I do what I got to do. And they said, please don't do that no more. So I was like, okay. So I chill out for a little bit. I, I relax. And then, you know, I move. I move to somewhere different. Um, and let me see where I moved to. Oh, because it was Colorado. I moved to... Um, I was staying with my grandmother in Colorado, actually, and I visited my parents in Whiteman Air Force Base in uh, Missouri. 
where all this kind of went down is where I found out I was HIV positive on a military installation in Missouri, um, really close to this really weird town called Knob Noster. And I graduated from a school in Mascuda in Illinois by Scott Air Force Base. Um, so anyway, um, going back out to Illinois would be something to see. It would be back, bring back a ton of memories, like going to Belleville and O'Fallon and definitely being around the Union Station and, you know, different parts of St. Louis that I remember that I really enjoyed. Um, I'm just not big on the, the winters because I don't like the winters out there because they're really bad. And I don't like the humidity and hearing the stupid cicadas. I don't like those bugs. But anyway, anyway, so anyway, um, all this stuff transpired. And now I'm going to fast forward you guys to today with a psychiatric train. OK, I had another hospitalization, compliments of my family that just drives me crazy. So I want to get away from them. Literally my whole entire lifetime. I've been trying to get away from my family since I was young because my mom has been abusive to me since I was young. There has been child abuse that I've suffered, all kinds of crazy stuff that I've suffered and had to endure. Sometimes my mom would kick us out, you know, and say, get out and, you know, don't come back in. And then she would have me run her business when I was a little kid and, you know, take all of the, I would take all of the, the checks from the parents. There's a lot of people from the military who worked on, you know, Peterson Air Force Base. Um, so we did, I dealt with a lot of military all the time. We were military kids, so we would be, you know, dealing with the Air Force, sometimes Army, not really too much Navy, Coast Guard and Marines, but <clears throat> at least a lot, of, a lot of Air Force anyway. So I would be on Peterson Air Force Base volunteering with the Red Cross and all this stuff, that type of stuff. So um, I was really active in a lot of different communities, you know, serving and volunteering because I like helping people. I can say at least that was like putting me to help others, you know, and when I'm going through a bad situation, it's better to help others than to help myself. So this is one of those times that since um, I'm going through a lot right now, I feel like you need to do more podcasts more now than ever because this situation has me sad, has me angry, has me frustrated, has me pissed off, has a lot of emotions going on and emotions are high. So I just want to let you guys know um, pray for me, and if you can donate and actually help, you can. You know, it'd be great to help somebody else than just yourself. So anyway, I go around. <clears throat> I go around, and I um, I decide to recently. This is up to recent, so I just had to give you guys a little background, okay? And um, so I've been dealing with psychiatric stuff since I was in the military at age 19, and I was, you know, enrolled into the Air Force and accepted as an Air Force um, service, you know, I, I was active duty, military. <clears throat> so maybe 20 years later, I would have been something big. But anyway, I would have been retired, getting ready to retire right now because that was 20 years ago. I would have been ready to retire. So anyway, um, I, I went just recently, I'm going to bring you guys up to date. Recently, I was trying to find some resources from the Veteran Crisis Line, which I said, like I said, pay attention. I want you guys to call them because they're good at their job. Unfortunately, there was a person that worked for the Veteran Crisis Line that was not good at her job. So I'm not going to fault the entire Veteran Crisis Line. But I do remember what I said, and I do remember she had to do her job. And I do remember that I was so overwhelmed that I said the wrong thing. And 
I was just angry. And um, yeah, so anyway, <clears throat> when I called the veteran crisis line, she asked me if I needed something. And I told her, I want you to stop singing song and dance because I'm kind of angry right now. My mother's brought me food that I didn't really ask her for. And she asked me to write a list. You know, I took pictures. She asked me to write a list of all the things I want. And then when I wrote it, she brought me her stuff from her home, which kind of infuriated me because anytime they bring me food or give me food, it's always spoiled, you know. So they mean well, I guess. But when they give me stuff, it's always spoiled. It's always old. It's always suck. You know, it's never nothing fresh. Everything is just old. And then we get an argument because I tell them to bring old food and then they always give each other a pass. You know, your mom's not right. You know, this like, it's all right. It's fine. So anyway, I call them and I get mad. And they said, how are you feeling? I was like, you know what? I just want to blow my brains out. That's I just that's what I want to do. And she's like, what? Do you have means of a gun? Can you get a gun? Are you going to do that? Are you going to harm yourself? I said, like, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I will. I don't know. So she's like, well, I'm going to stay on the phone with you until they come. And they meaning the cops. Okay. That's what California does. They arrest everybody. Even if you're having a mental health problem, you have to go to jail. So anyway, the cops come. They take my kids. They arrest me, throw me in jail for doing nothing but trying to get resources as a single mom. They took all my babies. All my kids are gone. And I'm here alone in a house that's quiet, in a house that gives me time to focus on how to get them out of their situation that I put them in unintentionally, but it happened. So the federal government helped me lose my kids, but now the federal government can't help me get them out away from the state. So now the state DCFS has my kids. The DCFS social worker has my children. And now I can't do anything. But I remember while I was being locked up in the tank and listened to this woman who said, officer, officer, can you take the cuffs off, officer? I don't even like you guys, all right? I'm done, okay? Officer, officer! That's what I heard the entire time I was being locked up. Officer, officer, officer! I heard that the entire time. She was so loud. She was so loud. She was so loud, I could not comprehend my thoughts. My thoughts were drowned with the noise of a screaming siren banshee type of a woman that wouldn't be patient enough just to sit there, be quiet, and let the officers tend to you. But because she escalated everything, she made the handcuffs on her hands tighter than they needed to be. So I sat there patiently listening to them deal with her, listening to her cuss them out, listening to her be rude to the women and not wanting them to help her. So as I was shackled to the middle chair, not really nobody taking COVID-19 really seriously to all the metal I was attached to, I may or may not turn up with COVID-19 because nobody wiped down the seats. Nobody disinfected. There was no place to wash your hands. They don't take COVID-19 seriously in some parts, in especially law enforcement. Harbor City PD did not take it uh, seriously. So, you know, they have a lot of metal that they didn't wipe down, a lot of metal that could have 
giving me COVID-19. They put metal handcuffs on me that were not sanitized. They did not have DMHS or DMH, the, the people from Los Angeles. They did not wipe down their metal. They did not wipe down the seats. They did not wipe their hands before touching me. They did not put on a mask because I have a compromised immune system. They put me in a holding cell. They took me and arrested me um, from Harvard PD to the mental health PD. The mental health PD put me on in shackles and took me up to the VA in West LA. And then West LA took me, they didn't put on masks and stuff for to touch me. They started putting on little things, but not everything. Then they put me in a holding cell with other men and we all were not given masks and gloves. And nobody once came in that room and wiped down everything. Nobody once came in that room and wiped down anything that COVID-19 could be on anything. They wiped down nothing. They don't take this seriously. And then I was arrested at the same time, even though me as a veteran, I was not supposed to come out at all in the elements. So everything that I touched could have been contaminated. Everything they touched me could have been contaminated, but they didn't take it seriously. They just arrested me. Was it because I was a black woman? Was it because I'm a veteran? Or was it because I was a Christian? Well, I could say it's all of them, but I could say it's more so because I was a veteran. That's what I could say. That's how they treat your soldiers. Your soldiers here in California, they're arrested. That's how they're treated. It's unfortunate. I didn't need them to arrest me, and they did. So this is where we are. And I'm uncomfortable with them trying to help me. They did not do what they needed to do as far as getting my kids. And because they got my kids taken away and they decided to call DCFS and not try to allow me to go through my phone since I was not a danger to my kids, they caused me to lose my kids. Harbor PD caused me to lose my kids. They called DCFS. So I am unhappy with the situation and I want to sue everybody because all of this is wrong. This is not how you handle a veteran, period. We are soldiers in the military that protect y'all behind. Do you understand that? When something goes down, who are you calling? You're calling the Army. You're calling the Air Force. You're calling the Navy. You're calling the Coast Guard. You're calling us to protect y'all. That's what we do. We are soldiers to lose our lives for the sake of you officers to go slam people against their cars. We give you the right to do that because we are soldiers. We aren't police officers. I'm a soldier going to be basic trained for war. Like when war and crap goes down, you're calling the army. We're not calling no cop. Y'all is not prepared and military trained to do military operations. You're not. You might act like you might, but you still don't have no clue. It seems like every single military person for officers should be a veteran. So they know you don't put our veterans in handcuffs. We don't do that put her to sit at the front or put her to sit at the back with no cuffs and we'll just escort her to where she needs to go because right now she's just trying to get some help right now. That's what should have happened. I should have never been detained and put in jail. California's laws suck. And I don't care. Whoever's the governor, which is Governor Gavin, he needs to know about this. This is not how you treat you're soldiers. You should not have done that. And you're not listening to his order anyway. He told you guys COVID-19 and you guys are not listening. You guys aren't going to help. So I'm going to report everybody and anybody and let people know that this is not how you handle your soldiers. 
if we are supposed to be serving and going to go to war to lose our very lives, when we come out of whatever situation and we now are a back civilian and we're a veteran, you handle a veteran with respect. You don't just slam around like they're a common criminal. I didn't rob nobody. I didn't steal nobody. I'm just a veteran mom trying to take care of my kids. You treat me as such as a soldier, not as anything else. I was trained to stand for a long time. I was trained to listen to orders, but you're not going to treat me like a common criminal. That you don't get to do. That you don't get to do. You took my kids from me. Fine. Now I have to get them back. But we're going to get them back. and We're going to bring some people in from the feds to deal with the state. Because the feds have to deal with the state. Because feds trump state. Feds trump state every day. So now I got to find a federal family law attorney, not a state law attorney. Although I probably would need both. Someone to deal with state and the feds at the same time. Because now you've entered into federal. Because this is, you're not taking kids from just a normal citizen on the street. You're taking a veteran's kids away. Now I need a veteran legal support. So now I'm going to bring in laws and I'm going to bring in lawyers and now I'm going to bring in a whole legal team that they're going to regret taking my kids because you don't do that to me. And that's fine. I'll be arrested for nothing. It's cool. But when we go to court, I shall prepare for court battle and court war and make sure that, that there's evidence to support everything that I've done up until this point where you guys detained me. So I wanted to share with you guys. I want you guys to be blessed, motivated and always encouraged to do what God has laid on your heart. But don't forget, as a Christian, you're in the world, but you're not of it. And I remember watching on the Pilgrim's Progress that they said, we're going to arrest you. And he said, for what? He said, we're not doing nothing. He's like, that's right. And for doing nothing, you're going to jail. Well, that cartoon was very apparent. And I was running around in my head thinking about, yep, I went to jail for doing nothing. But that's okay because I still have the victory by the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything works out for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Y'all start reading your word and really depend on the promises during hardships that will actually help you. Because these things that you have to have are fruits of the spirit. You have to have patience, which I needed patience in order to endure the crap that was going on. So I had to wait in order for God to do what he needed to do. <clears throat> I had to be kind Unfortunately, under the circumstances when I want to cuss everybody's tail off and they deserve it. I wanted to be rude and nasty, but I had to be loving. I had to be smiling. I had to be kind. I had to do the opposite of what the world would do and had to still show a smile, offer a common word, and be nice to people. To show true Christian characteristics and not pop off when someone says, why the freak are you here? And then why people are laughing at me behind a window because I'm locked up with all these men that I just be nice as a female veteran that was not placed in a separate holding cell. West L.A. had failed on that. West L.A. fails and gets an F on that part. Long Beach VA fails in other places. West L.A. fails in other places. They don't have a lot of services <clears throat> set up for veterans of, that are single moms. And that's where Loving Arms for Families, Inc. wants to come in, which is my nonprofit. I want to be able to set up ABA services for veterans. I want to be able to partner with the communities to make their 
make sure they have a veteran counterpart so that they have a veteran counterpart to every single part that they have that's attached to them. So when West VLA, West LA VA gives me a contact, they got to have a community partner that they deal with. So it has to work twofold. Federal government has to work with state government in order to really do a wraparound service. That would be a wraparound multiple services, which means multiple services have to be in a veteran's life. And I have multiple service providers, friends, and <clears throat> on my spiritual side, on my common side, on my regular side, there's such some things that need to be tweaked for me. And then I will have all the services that I need in order to make my life run accordingly to just be a single mom handle my business and not depend on a man or anybody else. Just depend on the services that help me. And like I said, I don't need a man because men don't want to come into my life because I got a lot of kids and I got a lot of services and I don't like men that don't know how to handle their business. I don't need a man to come and be a father to my kids. I need a man to just be a man. If I need your help, help me. I don't need you to say, oh, well, uh, no. That's the kind of man I'm looking for. I'm looking for an alpha male. I'm looking for a top dog male. I'm looking for someone that makes crap happen. If I call and ask you for help, can you? Will you? That's what it is. I don't need a father for my kids. They already got one. I need somebody for me. You know, we won't talk about that. But anyway, I just need some services and things to handle. Okay. So I've been dealing with this. I want y'all to pray for me. Pray that the court case would be swift and my kids would come back to me quick and that I could move out of this um, this condo. This is really a nice place. It's really big. It's really spacious, really beautiful. I really love how spacious it is, but I would really like my kids to have a little house. Um, so I'm going to see if they have a house where we can stay until we're going to move to Arizona um, because that's where we're planning to move. Um, so I want to definitely have a place to um, move to in California until I make that transition so that they can have their bikes and we can be located, you know, by a school and just have a big backyard and maybe they can even walk to school, you know, just everything in walking distance or riding distance or something. So um, they have a backyard to go outside and play. And I need that for my kids. I don't really want a condo or apartment. Um, my kids are used to living in a house. And I'm used to having a house as well, um, apartment living. I've never gone back to apartment living since I was living in um, Colorado Springs. It's always been a house. And then if I've had to, I had to result to, you know, apartment living. I don't really like condos. I don't like them at all. I'd rather have, you know, a house or a townhouse or a really nice big duplex um, where I share with someone, but I have my own personal backyard and it's blocked off by a fence. Um, so that's, those are the kind of types I like. I like to have all space around me free so the kids can go to the backyard or ride their bikes by a trail, you know, stuff like that. Cause they want to ride bikes, but they can't do much. And if they wanted to ride outside on the floor, you know, they can't. So a house is conducive for my family of five. Um, so we're going to see if we can find a little, you know, three or four bedroom little house to, to do and move to. I'd love to purchase a home or purchase a fourplex property soon so we can live and, you know, they'll have their own, like, personal neighbors, you know, together. So anyway, 
I'm going to get out of here. I just wanted to talk about that. My wrist still hurts for being, you know, arrested or detained would be more appropriate. But I'm just going to say arrested because even if you're detained, what is it? Detained and arrested don't make, make a difference except for the word. You don't get a record. However, you still go through the same process of being, you know, arrested by, you know, handcuffs. So, yeah, I'm not happy today but I'll take it one day at a time. Today is Saturday. I would like not to use dates, but I gotta date this because today is um, the 20, today's the 28th and I got home yesterday. Um, I was arrested or detained, uh, I guess, on the 26th. My kids were taken from me on the 26th. My babies are with the state, the DCFS, and now my wrist has been shaking, un, you know, uncontrollably because of stuff that's going on. And I'm trying to calm myself, but I ain't got no friends that I want to come over right now. I, uh, I just want my kids back. I just want to know that they're safe. And I don't know if Anisha's getting her ABA service and I don't know how I don't know how my kids are doing. And then they want to reach out to their dad who was abusive to me and to them and I had to flee and leave my job to protect them but now they want to call him and let him know that because I was asking for help that he wants to take my kids. And now I'm going to need an attorney so that we can have the custody battle in, in court and that I can get full custody of my kids, even though I'm divorced from him. So pray for me. I'm going back to court again. And now DCFS is involved. So I pray that... Um, I can get some bulldog attorneys that can fight because my husband, my ex-husband, sorry, my ex-husband will get attorneys to try and get the kids full custody. So I'm planning to find some really good attorneys to represent me. And um, that's just what it is right now. I need a federal attorney for family law. So if you guys know any that service veterans out here in California from your state or a different state, let me know um, because my kids are gone. And... Tanika sits at home alone reading her scripture, but it's not the same as reading my scripture and telling my kids, turn down on the TV, mom, because I'm used to multitasking with them that I have to make sure that I relax enough that I can maneuver within my family, make sure that I calm Karina down so she's not, you know, popping her brother in the head and they're not being too rough. And now our life has been disrupted and it's not the same here. It's quiet. And I'm pretty sure they're scared. I'm pretty sure Anisha doesn't understand. I'm pretty sure they're trying to figure out what they did. But they didn't do anything. Mom was just trying to get some help for us. And nobody could help me. 
So, I hope you guys will pray for my nonprofit that people would actually donate to it and actually help because I'm trying to help veterans like myself that go through the crap I go through that they don't have to deal with this. They don't have to be arrested in California. So, like I said, pray for me. And um, I'm probably just going to go to sleep because there's nothing to do besides clean up. And I just, I don't feel like cleaning anything. So you guys be blessed, motivated, and inspired. And always do what God lays on your heart. Take care. Hey, Tanika, it's Martha. I'm just calling to find out that all is well with you. I text you on Instagram. I left a message for you on a 667 number area code. And I left the message with um, Pastor Sutton. So I'm just calling to find out if you're okay. My phone didn't uh, upload all the numbers and information for my iPhone 7 because it went out and I just got my new phone. So I'm just checking in on you. Please let me know that all is well. Love you. Take care and all the best. Hey, my sister. We just did a recording, so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. If you can get back to me. Okay. Hey, Tanika. It's Dr. Jefferson. I was just giving you um a quick shout just to try and see if you had already come up with the um the questions that you wanted to do for the round table discussion if you can please just give me a a quick shout out and let me know where you are on that and what the dates look like and um that way I'll have a little bit of time to kind of structure my schedule to give you the best feedback possible because I am kind of putting together quite a few things myself So, um, I look forward to connecting with you soon. Later.